13. Huge rack that time for Bird. He's still got to drop one here quickly. 14. This is a tie for the money. Yo! Minus three with Dave Damashek. All right, here we go. The weekend's just about here, and we're so excited for it. We don't even wait for it to actually arrive before we start celebrating. I have a figurative beer in hand. If you, if it makes you feel any better, let's say it's a literal one. Let's roll here on Minus Three, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long, whatever the season happens to be. Exclusive offers and odds best. FanDuel, more ways to win. And, of course, when you are making your wager, do it at FanDuel.com slash Minus Three, the word minus the number three. And, of course, follow along on social media at Minus Three Pod. Let's get into it with our pal. He made a tremendous Virgin run last week here for the sequel. It's our pal from Boston, Massachusetts, Hollywood writer Supreme. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Oh, I'm doing good, Shaq. Let's jump in here. Like I say, we like to start things off with our uh, win play show. Three best bets of the weekend. I'll get us going here. The Buckeyes swooning. Um, losers of three straight headed in Illinois looking mighty. You saw them earlier in the week. Smoke. Michigan, I suspect that Illinois is incented to put its feet up next week for the aforementioned delightful um, conference tournament. They don't want to have to grind it out to get a number one seed. If they beat Ohio State on Saturday, they will successfully, I think, lock up a number one seed no matter what happens in in the uh, Big Ten tournament. Ergo, give me the Illini minus seven or better. I think that, that they'll handle the, the swooning Buckeyes there. Um, I will take the New York Islanders minus two goals against the uh, the very sad Buffalo Sabres in an otherwise juicy mass mutual division. And um, I will say that, that Gino Malkin in front of round two of the three-part series in the Penguins versus Flyers series. The one thing I do feel good about is when 87 Sidney Crosby has to sit down, Gino Malkin typically elevates his game, ergo good bet to uh, to get it going a little bit, 71 for at least a goal on Saturday against the hated Flyers. Hench, how say you? All right, well, a little tough without our beloved NBA games, slate of NBA games this weekend, but um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to venture into the octagon, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mm-hmm. take Aljamain Sterling, the Funk Master, uh, oh, and it's pretty much even over Piotr Jan. Um, and I, then I realized as I like, I really like him, and I'm like, this is a terrible reason to pick a UFC fighter. Oh, he seems like a nice guy. This other guy <laughs> seems like an asshole. Like, yeah, he probably well, you might be betting on the wrong guy. I don't know. Uh, but I, <laughs> I realized as I was like, but but that's one of the things with betting, right? You you're obligated to root for whoever you bet on. So then you're like, do I want to root for this Siberian asshole? And I mean, no offense, Piotr Jan. I mean, no offense. Uh, <laughs> if I run into you in a bar, you'll end me. Um, you know, so uh, I like Aljamain Sterling uh, in the octagon. Um, I'm given last week, I and the astute listener who listened to my reasoning on, on my beloved Boston Bruins was that was plus 155 last Friday. Uh, they lost. Very nice. That was a good debut uh, for I'm, you, Edge. I'm pivoting uh, this week. I think they're going to even things up with the Capitals. 
uh, Friday night. Matt, Matt Grizzlick is back. The, the Bruins have been so decimated on the blue line. Uh, obviously, Chara and Krug both left, but they've they've also been so banged up. So they got they got one of their solid twenty minutes a night guys back. Grizzlick's back. I like the Bruins to even things up against the Capitals uh, Friday night, and then. Uh, this may segue into a, an embarrassing segment for Sheck, but I'm I'm giving this is a nice number plus 165 Brighton and Hove Albion against Leicester City in the English Premier League. Uh, this number is too high for as astute soccer fans will know because uh, James Madison and Harvey Barnes. I don't have to tell Sheck. James Madison and Harvey Barnes both hurt for Leicester City and uh, and Brighton. It has been actually playing really well and getting really unlucky around around the goal. So that's plus plus one sixty five. Uh, I see Brighton winning that uh, fixture as they call them in soccer. Uh, those are my those are my picks for this weekend. I'm I, I, just to be clear. I'm not some ugly American who denounces soccer. I just no, you're, I, I you're, you're handsome. You're you're handsome. <laughs> I, I'm not. I, I, the rest I, of it applies. Absolutely not. I spatially, I watch, I, I love sports, the visuals of it. Spatially, I my brain cannot accept the lack of shots in soccer. To my eye, it looks like, why don't you shoot it? You're like, as good. this is as clean a shot at the goal as you're ever going to get. And right when I think that, they kick it way wide out to the sideline. I just don't understand the 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 spatial logic of the game. That's all. Look, I'm sure there's a lot of fine wine that you don't understand either. You're you're a simpleton. And so the the, the complex geometry, the, the Euclidean geometry is just eludes you. I get it. It's okay. You're getting there. <laughs> it's a, but you understand, it's this side of boxing, the most elementary of all our sports. So the thing about like the 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 when people start getting into high-minded strategy around it, I mean, it applies to some sports. I would apply the same thing to hockey. I love, I love bogus statistics that they've conjured in the last twenty years. Hits, hits in hockey, like <laughs> hits. That's a that's a big deal. Tell me the last time the hit stat equated to victories or losses. It's meaningless stuff. And I, I forgive me, soccer fans. I know there's strategy involved, but as I say to some. To some degree, isn't it a compliment to say that the best athletes are the ones that are are going to succeed in your sport, right? Because it's about endurance and speed and all of that. It's about as rudimentary as it gets when you're evaluating sports skill. Yeah, you, there, you see a lot of fat guys raising the World Cup trophy. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Those, those guys I'm are saying, I'm saying they're, they're right. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. right. That's, that's the standard. Um, All right, I want to talk more about this in a second, but but uh, spaghetti, go through your win play show best bets of the week again. Yep, I want to go all hockey this weekend. I think honestly, this is one of the easiest weekends to bet uh, on hockey. If you're a newbie to hockey, just trust me on this one. Uh, well, quickly and first, I'll give my uh, my place bet. I was going to go with my Rangers over the Devils, but I think Hench convinced me with uh, the, the the Bruins D line getting a little bit better. Even though Chuck Coyle, former classmate of mine at BU, is missing with the COVID protocol, they should beat up on uh, the Devils at home on Sunday. But the two easiest bets to make, and and check, you already mentioned it. The Islanders, who are in second place right now, they have the Sabers two games in a row. The Sab, I mean, 
Eddie Spaghetti, Dave Damashek, Kevin Hench almost have the same amount of goals as Jeff Skinner, Taylor Hall, and uh, and Jack Eichel. It's a total mess up in, in Buffalo. They're going to move Eichel soon. That team is total trash. Uh, fade the Sabres the entire rest of the season. You will make money off them. It's as simple as that. So I don't care which one you want to go uh, win or place, but you could just pick the Saturday game, a Sunday game. The Isles should win both those uh, handily, I, I believe. So very easy bets to make this weekend. I do like the idea because uh, my Penguins have yet to face the Sabres, and that seems juicy on the horizon. Let's get through these Flyers games here and finally get the weak sister of this uh, of this mighty division. Hench, here's the thing I want to bring up to you, and uh, because we have a lot to kibitz about here, but I, I do I, – please take no offense. Soccer people – Kevin Hench is one of them. He plays the game. He, he fell in love with it. And as a grown man in his forties, decided to embrace the sport. Um, and you're a good athlete. You're fast and you whatever I contend. And I know you're going to get upset. If I was Max Kellerman or Tony Reale, I'd be giving you points. Like I'd be going ping, ping, ping. You're like, you're fast. You're a good athlete. Ping, ping. Shaq's on fire. Okay. Good, good. Now, dig this. I think, did you see Alvin Kamara out on the, uh, out there snowboarding around up in the mountains and everything else? Do you see that? You ever see Odell Beckham playing soccer? CMC bounding over hurdles, literal hurdles in his attempt to get back in form in time for uh, the 2021 NFL season? All that. If we took CMC and Mike Trout and LeBron and... Giannis uh, in goal as goaltender, I think, well, that might be unfair since he's not American, but I think if we took our American best athletes and said, okay, no more with the basketball and football and everything, we're going to focus on soccer for the next half decade. I think if we took our very best, we could vanquish the world's best in the next World Cup. How say you? It's such an embarrassing proposition. I don't, it's like, you know, it's like when your little kid says something really stupid and you're like, oh gosh, dude, is this the one of those moments where I, I crush them and like, let them know that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Okay. (laughs) Mike Trout, Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey would never touch the ball. The ball, it would be possession would be a hundred percent to zero. You, you can't, um, you know, as Malcolm Gladwell pointed out in Outliers, like whatever you're doing, you need those 10,000 hours early, early, early. You can't, um, you can't learn how to play soccer in your 20s and expect to compete on the, on the world stage. Like, you know, I don't know if you ever heard that old joke about the, the 43-year-old uh, internet billionaire who decides I'm going to dedicate myself to golf for the next seven years and I'm going to join the senior tour. And then the club pro goes, oh, that's great. I've got two other guys uh, who are 43. It's an old joke. Obviously, you'll, you'll know in a second. But I got two other guys who are 43 who have the same plans for the next seven years. You guys should all work together here. I'd like you to meet Tom Watson and Tom Kite. Yeah, it's like, yeah, they've been doing it their whole lives. Like, so there's no way just the close control, just trying to keep that ball on a string at your feet. It, it's impossible. I mean, I, you know, as a grinder or a grafter, as they as they call it in soccer, like I'm just my whole thing. The reason I was able to to kind of 
catch on with the with the British Academy of Film and Television Artists soccer team in L.A. is I was willing to just work Ooh, big my name ass drop. I worked my ass off, you know, played <laughs> against pros, <laughs> Stephen Ireland, John Onriza, Victor Anachiebe, you know, I, you know, whatever. I played against a lot of pros, but not I, familiar with those names. The, okay. the, the thing, the thing I could never do, Barry Venison, Newcastle United, great. The thing I could never do was just master that close control where the ball is on a string at your feet. And obviously every professional soccer player can can just walk down the street with a soccer ball and you know did not break stride it's just it's just attached to their feet and so the idea and look you and I both will have a an eternal soft spot for Alvin Kamara for what he did for us in the in the fantasy finals but yes, you know indeed. the idea the idea that that missile is going to go out on a soccer field and and have the ball for more than a tenth of a second uh is is, is preposterous You're- so I don't Okay. I will say this. The one thing I will say, and I know you mentioned the Greek freak, but whether it was LeBron or Giannis, and obviously Lajuan played goalie, I I do think a six nine guy who can touch both posts while standing still would present some problems in goal. But uh, as it to is the weird that we don't see that. It's weird we don't see more of that. But let me just say, first of all, your your argument is anecdotal. I couldn't do it. Ergo, the best athletes in America couldn't do it either. That's I, I admire your athleticism and your self confidence, Kevin Hedge. But you ain't Saquon Barkley. And well, what if you're also not Akeem Olajuwon? Wait a minute, Akeem Olajuwon. How how do you explain if you can't pick a sport up? Uh, if you're a tremendous athlete, how then do you explain Akeem Olajuwon picking up basketball and being the best player? or among the handful of best players in the entire nation as soon as he arrives on the banks of America with the, with, with the, with Houston. I mean, how, how do you, how do you explain Antonio Gates? Like, Hey, you know what well, I think I'm going to do? I'm going to play football uh, now and I'm going to go to the hall of fame. I, as a result. I will say I'm that, that, that both, both football and basketball um, allow for being a genetic freak in a way that soccer doesn't, it, it doesn't matter if you're seven feet tall, uh, Messi is still going to go around you and destroy you. Like, yeah, Elijah Juan's head r- rubbing against the bottom of the net is a big advantage in basketball. And, uh, and Antonio Gates being, you know, that big and that fast and being able to run a pass pattern, you know, well, that that's just a huge advantage. Now, why, why wouldn't you say, what if we put Kamara on skates? Let's get him ice skating. He'll dominate. Because they're because that is not as rudimentary a physical. Um, it's not something you could walk out onto the street and immediately do. The game is predicated on speed, is it not? The yeah. soccer that's the that's the chief virtue is speed. Yeah. He'll be running hundred yard dashes without the ball. You just you can okay. just time him. Wow, look how fast that guy is. And he'll be offside once he does get the ball, if they ever touch it. Skating, skating is I, as specific a thing as you could do, but also throwing a ball. You don't see guys decide at 18, you know what? I think I'm going to give a shot to being a quarterback. That is not something that you would just pick up. But things that are based more around just raw athleticism, yes, I do think you could now, You could take our very best player. Look at the way Saquon's built. Do you think anybody's going to bang with that guy? Well, I, I, mean, I, I wish the, I knew soccer terms so I could argue. You, you, but. You, yeah, you can't You can't really bang, uh, uh, unfortunately, but I mean, a little they bit. In, but, don't they? But, but they bump. But the, the place where um, 
the, the sport where you would take you could take Saquon and, and Dalvin Cook and you wouldn't need years. You would need a month to teach them the rugby rules and they would be world champions. And this gets people this gets people enraged. Like you you talk to rugby players like you don't understand. It's like, no, you don't understand. This guy would do whatever he wanted. I'm I've watched enough on ESPN seven. There's no way Dalvin Cook just doesn't go wherever he wants with the ball every time. Well, I just wish you cared about America more than you apparently do. You're you're not a patriot like I am. Uh, you root for the Patriots, though. Eddie Spaghetti, yeah. Judge Pasta, break uh, break this one. Who won that uh, that mini debate? Have you guys seen a video that's going viral this week of uh, Miles Garrett jumping like six feet straight in the air oh. on one of those like? Yes, yes, that, I did see that. that. Awesome feet, like super. It's crazy that a guy that size could do that it translates to soccer in zero ways. Like it doesn't, it, how does it help? Like a guy is a physical freak. Kind of like what Hens was saying, these kids, like who's the best player in the world now is not, probably not Neymar anymore, but someone like that, when they're like six months old, they're like kicking a ball around and it's just something that they instinctually have and they grow up with it. I don't see how the best NFL players, or actually, you know what a better example is? And and Dave, you've probably seen this a million times. All those uh, NHL players before the game, when they kick the ball around and like in the in the arena tunnels and stuff, all those NHL guys, especially the foreign ones, they both they grew up playing two sports: soccer and hockey. And they obviously play in the NHL now, but they wait. So all those guys are Europeans? Is your argument? All the guys who do the warm up in the hockey game, all those guys are Americans. But what I'm saying is that like they at least played the game growing up and they weren't nearly as good to even play for their respective countries. I'm assuming. Uh, so like, why would a 20, you know, five year old NFL running back all of a sudden be really good at soccer? If like these I, all other because, athletes in different sport could do it. Because that, well, they, they I'll just, that's, that's the point. Let, you know what I love going though, into the hole to take no, a hard hit ground ball I, is a very particular skill. Another thing I was great at. Another thing I was great at. Um, Spaghetti, I appreciate uh, you, you getting that right. But what I what I find comical is is like that was Mike Tyson, Michael Spinks. And then Sheck goes, let's go to the judges. <laughs> the guy's fucking, the guy's lying in a bloody heap in the middle of the ring. Let's, you didn't, let's see what because the judges, you didn't come up with a good response to like, let's yes, to Elijah. Yeah, Tony Gonzalez. It's high end athleticism. High end okay. athleticism is okay. adaptable. Listen. That's the point. Yeah. Okay. My point is that if 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 Elijah Wan was five eleven, we've never heard of him. Okay. Yeah. It's it's an advantage to be seven feet tall. Okay. Mm-hmm. We settled that. Sheck, I'll give you this. I, I, the, the goalie, for sure, what may be a thing if they're tall, if it's like an NBA star that's learning soccer, they may have the conditioning down to be able to run the field. Um, but kind of like what Hendra was saying before, too, like what, when they had the ball, they would get it stripped away. Maybe at most of a teammate, pa- they could like pass it very quickly. I don't see them doing anything else of note on the on the soccer pitch. I, What's I, like I the know. best right, soccer player? Next subject. Okay, I, yeah. We'll let the listener okay. weigh in. Let wow. us know who you think is correct about it. I think you're going to get crushed uh, well, if, we, if we post yeah. that. I know, go, I know I will. Go, before we go to the next subject, we just need to check with the Nevada Boxing Commission to see if Sheck is cleared to bring up another topic. No, I'm not, but I'm going to do it anyway. And gotta, uh, this is one. Catch retina. I cannot Alvin wait to hear. This is one. I was, I, I'm almost as excited to hear Hench's opinion on this. 
as I was to get Kenny the Jets because I knew what uh, what he would say to this. You know, I love my what ifs in sports like what, you know, the butterfly effect and all of this. I have long held that Michael Jordan's legacy has more luster on it because he sat out those two years that just so happened. The sports gods delivered it. Um, the Houston Rockets to the finals in back-to-back years. I contend that Akeem and company would have would have uh, taken care. I almost said uh, had Michael Jordan's lunch, which of course wouldn't have been the case. But um, I do think ultimately that the Rockets, as constituted, Vernon Maxwell and Kenny the Jet, two nice defenders, and more specifically Bob Ory and Akeem Olajuwon would have had no competition on the interior from those Bulls teams, Bill Cartwright and otherwise. I think that they would have beaten them. How say you? Well, I'm inclined to agree because we know uh, there's only there's only one franchise uh, that was that in the NBA that could win eight straight championships. I mean, that's incredible. We know who that franchise is. So assuming the, if you assume the Bulls won both of those, then that would have been eight and only the Boston Celtics could win eight in a row. Um, but uh, so when it was, I think when, when it was a, when it was a JV league and there all were eight right. teams. All right. And you had to win you had in seven total games to win the title. But okay, go ahead. Yeah, look, I mean, and, and I was and I was the starting center, or one of my forefathers was the starting center for the Syracuse whatevers against Bill, the Russell, great Bill Russell, greatest greatest winner of all time, Bill Russell. Look at Bill Russell's <laughs> run is just it's unbelievable. He, he you know, college two college championships, gold medal, I know eleven out of thirteen. I, I mean, it's it's insane. Very so anyway. Great. You know, Jordan gets a little over half of of, uh, Russell's titles. But I think when you look at, you know, it's weird looking back, and it's part of what's so impressive about Jordan is because a lot of those titles were like in the balance. Like they, you know, that they they were not going to win game seven against Utah. You know, that they they were threadbare. So I think if you imagine them having to also have had two deep runs in the middle of those, those two, you know, it just seems impossible to me. So I'll say that, that uh, the dream and, and the, and Cassell and Maxwell, Mad Max and uh, Kenny, the jet would have at least won one of those two to interrupt the, the, the flow. Well done. Um, that's exactly, that's know. amazing. That's exactly what Kenny Smith said. That's a, he said, you're ignoring the, that this would mean, a fourth straight and then a fifth straight and, and the emotional spiritual fatigue associated with those things. It's like a band, like why did that band break up? I don't know. It just run the personalities and otherwise start to button. Now I hate to do this. I hate to do this to spaghetti, but I will say this, even though I think the Rockets would have won one, if not both of those matchups, um, Jordan was not going two for 18 in, 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 in those, in any of those games. That's Don't that's worry, John he wasn't Starks born special. when those things were being played. I don't John, think I know John what Starks, happened. The the you know, uh I, I think it was a comic named Scott LaRose who used to do a bit about the first World Trade Center bomber um trying to get his security deposit back on the rider truck that he parked. And like he his bit was this guy's got the biggest balls in human history. Like, yeah, I'm gonna need that deposit back on the rental truck that I, I tried to blow up a building with like, wow, you know, and he a really good physical bit about the sound, the guy's balls made as he walked, like how big were this guy's balls? Like, Oh my God. And I would have to put John Stark's balls, right. <laughs> to take the 18th shot, 
You're two for 17. <laughs> I mean, Sheck can attest. Sheck can attest. I was a gunner. I was a gunner. Like, you did not get a lot of touches if you played on my team. But I think two for 17, I might I might look to a teammate. Not, not those big balls. It might have been Stark's balls, the size of them that threw him off on that 18th ill-fated shot against the Rockets. Good Lord. <laughs> Really, by the way, though, when you're Hench's teammate, it's kind of like the stories, the, the the horror stories that Michael Jordan's teammates were telling about him in the documentary. Like, man, he he would really get into you. He would really embarrass you Hench yelling at me in front of other grown men. Like, oh, what do you do? What, what kind of shot is that? Check that. Great idea. Great idea. But, like, they pick up basketball game hey. and you're humiliating me for missing a shot. I let you. There's not even there's not even ten dollars on this game. What do you care? Yeah, if and you're berating me in front of, just pick away. Go pick away from the ball. Clear out this side. I got this guy. Get out of my fucking. I don't want to. I'm a. I, listen, yes, I'm not a great athlete, hey. but I'm also That's I'm also vain. I, I never understood kid that willingly was like, hey, we're playing pickup football and you have just a few too many guys like to play. You can't three on three football, four on four. But once you get to like six or eight guys, then it's like, okay, some of you have to play offensive line. And I'll, I'll be goddamn if I'm playing for fun, if I'm going to be an <laughs> offensive lineman. Like, no. And, but then some guys would do it. Like, where's your where, where, where's your uh, self-esteem that you just accept that? Like, the Kevin Hench told me to play offensive line. I guess I have to play, uh, uh, you know, 10-year-old Kevin Hench told me to do that. I'd be like, no, you do it. Screw, I'm not doing it. Anyhow. Well, it's, it's like uh, Joe DiMaggio was a, a legendary prick, and uh, they called him fish hooks because he, when the check came, he there were fish hooks in his pocket. He couldn't, he wouldn't reach into his pocket. They called him fish hooks. And it's like, wow. So you're out to dinner, you're in Joe DiMaggio's entourage, and Jolton Joe doesn't pick up the fucking check. Oh my God. Oh my God. He's selling coffee makers. He won't pick up the check. This guy's <laughs> such a piece of shit. And so at one point, one of one of the turtles, you know, in his in his entourage goes, Hey, um, you know, uh, Joe, what are what are we getting out of this? What are we getting out of this? Uh, and and he goes, you're here, aren't you? So that's what I would say to the Shecks and the right <laughs> guards of the world who get to hang out with me. And, you know, sure, you don't get to shoot the ball or catch the football. But, you know, you're you're on a playing field with Kevin Hench, who is the fucking thrill of a lifetime. So I mean, being at dinner with Joe DiMaggio. With Joe D? I mean, listen, if I'm picking, I'll sit there to hear – not. I don't know who's talk about uh, your your UFC pick. I don't know who's a nicer human being, but I'd rather sit and listen to uh, let's say Reggie Jackson spin yarns than Joe D. Well, Ted, hey, Teddy know, but, ball game over over Joe yeah. D. Joe D. Seems like he would have been oh, a snooze sure. to sit there with, right? For sure. And then you know before we came on. Uh, although there will be a black market tape because Spaghetti was was taping and he can use it against us. But before we, on, we were talking uh, uh, briefly about uh, the range of of Mia Farrow, Frank Sinatra, and Woody Allen. Like it's insane. Like it's crazy. It's it's crazy. It's it's quite frankly, it's Kevin Entrench shooting thirty five footers. <laughs> um, but but we you know but we. 
the all-time great. I mean, if Mia Farrow is aspiring to to the greatest range of all time, is Arthur Miller writes Death of a Salesman. Marilyn Monroe's like, that's my kind of guy. Or I'll fuck this guy. I'll fuck the center fielder. I'll fuck the Yankee. What the hell? Wait, wait a minute. You are a profoundly disturbed young lady. You you are into both these guys? Wow. No way. No way. Mr. Coffee and Death of a Salesman. Sure. Any port in the store. I mean, no problem. Old blue eyes to Woody. <laughs> in the floppy hat that and the warming glass. It's pretty big jump. In. That is a great, that is a great debate. It's just, it's distance. Which is a greater distance? Arthur Miller to Joe DiMaggio or old blue eyes to Woody Allen? It's this is not. Not, not, the, not the sign of a stable ramrod lady who knows what she wants. <laughs> Anyhow, what do you think of, by the way, I just wanted to mention it because we'll be tracking this as we go forward here. We did a fun thing, or at least I'm interested to hear. I, I thought it was fun. Hench, how did you enjoy um, the new extra points? We came up with a thing that, combines fantasy and gambling or gambling and fantasy we drafted items that you can gamble on in the world of sports over the next three months and like i say we drafted them snake style um as a for instance in the first round i took illinois to go to the final four um and then you could also take player props who's going to be leading um, the National League in home runs is a for instance, or this guy is going to be the second uh, quarterback drafted in the NFL, so on and so forth. We drafted it. How did you enjoy yourself? Well, obviously, I enjoyed myself a great deal, you know, hanging out with the fellas and getting to know some of those guys. Um, the the it for me doing like a fantasy draft bit built on gambling with Sal and some of these other degenerates. It's it's humbling because it, it actually lets me know what it probably felt like for you to play basketball with me. Uh, you know, they're, they know so much about it. Or soccer and, you know, like, against Saquon Barkley. And so, so the, the first order of business, of course, is don't, don't embarrass yourself. Right. I mean, that's the, you don't, you don't want Sal to just shake his head when he sees your first round pick. So what I, I, but I thought my reasoning for, you know, like I'll say my first round pick was my $300 bet. My biggest bet was, on Joel Embiid to win MVP at plus 350 because I, to me, it seems like the way to win this thing. And, and I'll explain more when I come in last, but is to, you know, I kind of do this in, in fantasy sports too, and, and always lose, but like, don't, don't go with crazy long shots or with sure things like the way to finish first in this, this gambling draft we just did is to have a couple tickets come in, at medium prices. And so like, I looked at all of those props and I felt like LeBron gets fucking boned in the MVP voting. It's boring. They're like, it's just like, they screw him. That People just go, eh, snooze fest. Of course he's the best player. Why would we give him the MVP? Cause he's the most valuable player. That's why you would give the most valuable player to the most valuable player. They're like, ah, that's boring. So I was looking for the more exotic MVP choice. And I thought that MB price was pretty good. And then the day after we did the draft, he went for 40 and 19 against the defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. So I feel pretty good about that. Plus for 350. I haven't checked to see if it's moved, um, but uh, it, it'll be interesting. Now, you know, if, if Clint Frazier plus 30,000 to, uh, to be the home run leader at the break comes in 
for uh, for Jen for Piacenti went with that one. Yeah. Uh, then yeah, we'll just all go. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> I didn't work in. I didn't work in any of those deep long shots, and maybe I I made a mistake there. Although I did uh, with my last pick, take the Pittsburgh Penguins to win the Stanley Cup, which I guess counts at this point as a hey, semi long shot. This would be a good segue. Um, yes. So one of the bets I I liked, and I did it in a couple different ways. I I think Mac Jones is is higher on people's boards. I, I just think he's funny so, you say that. Cause I think the other way, I think the other way is true, but go I, ahead. I just explain. think that, that he's just, I think he's super NFL ready. And I think everybody knows that. And just like, you know, watching him make those deep throws, like he's basically throwing two NFL receivers, which I know you could say, well, that's why he, he did what he did. But uh, it's like, is you know does he have the arm to make that throw and it's like well look who he's he's fucking he's throwing Devonte smith's 55 yards downfield and he's hitting him in stride but um so when i saw this headline uh jets open to offers on sam darnold i thought yeah i've got a bunch of crap in my garage that i'm open to offers on yeah i'm open to offers i have a foosball table where the handles are broken on one side 10 grand Anybody, can I get 10 grand for that? Like, of course you're open to offers in the, is he in the top 20 quarterbacks in the NFL? So he's, so you already have a body of work from Sam Darnold, not good. And we're in a, we're in a quarterback rich era, right? I mean, there are so many good QBs out there that make, that help your team be contenders. Sam Darnold's not one of them. And there's an incredibly deep quarterback class coming into the NFL. Like there's never been less value for a mediocre quarterback. Like, Hey, what, what are those offers for Sam Darnold look like? How, how, uh, how they, I think it's a great, it's a, it's a fascinating if snarky point, but my pushback on that is first of all, it's ironic. You would say that there are so many good, I, I, believe in QB saturation myself. There are more good quarterbacks than there are starting gigs. But as it happens, you're a Patriots guy. I'm a Steelers guy. Spaghetti's a Giants guy. I wouldn't say that uh, any of the three of our teams are locked in with one of those high-end quarterbacks for the upcoming season here. It will be fun to see what the Patriots end up doing. I predict it's Mariota. Um, I wonder, though, if Belichick, if this is the time, because he rarely, you know, he gathers the picks rather, or he accumulates picks rather than trade up. But I wonder if this is where he takes his shot. I wonder if to try and respond to what Brady just did, like we were talking about last week and the presumed chip he has on his shoulder. Does he love Trey Lance or somebody like that and wants to trade up to get somebody like that? Or does he call into Vegas and say, all right, throw us Mariota. I also think, about Sam Darnold, the Adam Gase syndrome is real. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is a completely different human being uh, um, with somebody other than Adam Gase coaching him. I don't think it's correct. I mean, this assumes that all the scouts and they've been wrong before, and it's a it's a it's a fraudulent business. I I, I think we list, we hang our hats on what these experts tell us. The same experts who told us Jamarcus Russell was was a guaranteed superstar in the league. Um, that said, they're just completely wrong about Sam Darnold. Everybody thought that he was the guy. Yes, he is a pick machine, and I don't think that's ever going to fully go away. I do think if you put him in a different spot, I advocate that the Steelers try to flip a third-round pick to get Sam Darnold. How about we put him uh, in central midfield? 
because he would give his soccer team exactly the same chance of winning a championship that he gives his football team <laughs> would make no difference. Uh, my favorite Jamarcus Russell uh, story. I mean, well, there are a lot of them, but is, you know, when they were talking about this guy's arm, they're like, he can, he can kneel. He can be on his knees at the opposite 45 yard line and from his knees, throw it through the goalposts. And I remember thinking that never comes up. That's not really a transferable skill. <laughs> hey, buddy, if 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 your if your receiver is five yards out of the end zone and you're on your knees at your own forty five, there's no quarterback you'd rather have than Jamar oh, I mean, Russell. Like, well, who cares? It's stupid that that the combine um, that they have when they're not having it this year again, but. Um, and by the way, as a reminder, Kevin Hench, who's a wordsmith, will will uh, I think agree with this. Everybody calls it the combine, but the combine is a piece of farming equipment, and a combine is when you bring a group of people with one purpose together uh, uh, to to test or otherwise, which is more uh, which more accurately it's describes it. it's it's, it's the NFL. Funny. Combine is what it is. You, you, bring up, you bring up um, this uh, this area at, because I've I've gone. I, I learned my lessons. You know, I don't I don't go into the octagon with Piotr Jan more than once. And I, it's funny because you used this word earlier, and it 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 uh, it, it still stings. But you, you were you, you twenty years ago. You used the word incent as a verb. We were at Kimmel's. I remember right where I was. I have PTSD. And I was like, Sheck, it's it's incentivize. What do you mean incent? Like you're leaving a bunch of syllables off this word. And you're like, incent is a word. And like, and then of course, because of my reputation and my track record, everyone jumped on my side. I don't even know if we had phones back then. It was so long ago. But somebody went, no, Sheck's right. Sheck's right. And I was like, oh my God this is the fucking lowest moment of my life. I'm going to go walk around the block and feel shame. So I'm especially. That's like when we were on the blue top and I blocked your shit out of there. Yeah. A couple times. Especially. Many times. Oh, you know, the, don't start. I mean, you I know did, right I where did, I'm going to go. You know right where I'm going to go. You know right where I'm going to go. Because of all your, of all your fucking, of all your profound limitations on the basketball court, I could abide them all except for your fundamental dishonesty when that that ball went off your leg and and it's like check I don't care that you're slow I don't care that you can't shoot I don't care that you can't dribble with your right hand but Jesus Christ we're men we're men the ball went off your leg come on man it's you know it's been it's been 20 years it's been 20 years this would be a great time you'd feel so much lighter you would move through life it would just change everything for you Sheck. You know, it'd be like doing LSD. You 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 gotta just come to grips with the fact that the ball could not have gone straight into the woods if I if if I had I hit it straight down. It hit your knee. We've all seen this play a million times, and it went in the woods. And I know you were embarrassed, but for Christ's sake, at long last, have you no sense of decency? At long last, I am calling. It's a, you know, a, a clearly a guilty man wouldn't say what I'm about to say. I'm calling for a special counsel to, oh, okay. to do yeah. a deep dive on this. Yeah. I want to depose one Jonathan Kimmel, who was there. 
That's who the ball went out on. Um, Cousin Sal. For first of all, this is this is a, this is a new line. This is like uh, we need to have the ball didn't touch me. We were playing spaghetti. We're playing ball, there, obviously. There was and no the one else involved. It was it was it could only be out off of you or me. Do not do not bring other suspects. Okay, no, this. Jonathan was on your side. That's what it was. Okay, on my Listen, side I, of the truth. Funny. I'm done talking about I'm done, I'm done talking about this until I have representation present. I'm yeah. not, I, 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 I don't want to talk about Jackson this. Like it was it was off of Woody Harrelson's father. That's who the ball went off of. So sad after all these years, <laughs> just walking through life, carrying it, carrying it like a burden, man. It's, it's crazy. All right. We, Deathbed we teased that we were going to. Hench and I, I think we have proven we both uh, we both care about sports um, considerably. And yet we're both empaths. And, uh, you know, we, we, we'd like to leave the sports world better than we found it. Ergo, it's time for Kevin Hench, high end Hollywood writer. He's no stranger to punching up scripts. Now it's time to punch up sports. Let's do it, Kevin Hench. The NFL, the the competition committee and everybody else, they do this perennially. They they look at something that that the the football fans are burning about, the fumbling it through the end zone or overtime or what's reviewable and what isn't. While they're doing that, and they're considering apparently reviewing, roughing the passer, and they're thinking about going back to the old overtime rules. Why don't you punch up pro football a little bit with uh, with one rule change you'd like to see? Well, I you mentioned it. Obviously, we we got to get rid of the other team gets the ball if you fumble it through the end zone. I mean, it's such an insane punishment. <laughs> you're you're a quarter of an inch from scoring a touchdown. Uh, it's it's not a touchdown. The ball's going back to the 20. Oh, okay. Okay, so we're still in the red zone? Oh, no, no, no. It's going back to the 20, and the other team has the ball. Like, what What kind of a disproportionate punishment is that, uh, Browns fans? I'm sure you agree uh, that, that, you know, I think I think everybody thinks, you know, going back to the 20 is a, is a big punishment uh, for extending the ball, dummy. You know, like for selfishly extending the ball. There should be a punishment, but it's too, too draconian. Um, the other thing, yeah, it's, you know, and also, also spiritually, it's such a weird message to send to the viewing public, to the to the kids watching. Don't try to go the extra mile. Don't don't do yeah. that. Just, just do the, just Mar- do the Marvin Harrison, do the Marvin Harrison thing and lie down as quickly as possible. <laughs> That'd be a great montage. Earl Campbell and Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison is just like. <laughs> Nothing good can happen if I try to break a tackle, which is smart. He's right, you know. So Martin Harrison gets into the seam, catches it, goes right down. Earl Campbell's like, I'm going to shorten my career by as much as possible on every play. Um, the other <laughs> thing, you know, it's funny. We, we've we been talking about um, soccer legend Alvin Kamara all, all day here. But, um, you know, going back to that, the, the Saints getting incredibly boned on the non-PI call uh, that that – had the league headed in the right direction momentarily for reviewing PI. Um, and, and then like, it's like, Oh, will everyone shut up now that we did that? And it was, I mean, it wasn't great, but like you have to be able to remedy terrible calls. So I'm, I'm all for uh, 
roughing the passer. Like they just, that is so brutal. The, the, the shrinking size of the strike zone on the quarterback, uh, you know, you, you can't hit him. There's a, there's like a velocity you can't hit him with. Like, it's crazy. Like you basically can't get a lick on the quarterback. So I, I'd love to see, first of all, I'd like to see the strike zone expanded on the quarterback. And I would definitely like to see them picking up flags left and right on roughing the passer. I mean, I would like for you to be able to rough the passer. Like that's a big part of the game. And I think, you know, it's always like, well, nobody wants to, nobody wants to see the the superstars get hurt. It's like, well, the fans of the other team do. They, 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 they would very much like to see that guy not play the rest of the game. That's, that's part of tackle football. Um, but you know, the, the one thing that, that, uh, I'm, I'm almost loath to weigh in on because it gets, it, it'll send me into a, into a rage down a dangerous alley. But, you know, Naomi Klein wrote a book called The Shock Doctrine, and it's about disaster capitalism. And it's about how the forces of conservatism, deregulation, privatization, as we saw by our by our lovely leaders in Texas recently deregulating and privatizing the energy grid. And then, you know, people are dying and suffering. And then they snap into action and go, it's these fucking windmills, man. It's these windmills. It's these windmills. And it's like, it's just a lie. It's just an organized lie against renewable green energy. And it was so organized. Everyone had the exact same talking points. These fucking windmills, man. These windmills are killing people. And it's like, it's a lie. But what they're doing is they're taking advantage of a disaster to advance an anti-green, anti-labor, anti-liberal agenda, which obviously the NFL owners share. And so I feel like we've had a global disaster. Everybody lost a lot of money last year. 17-game schedule. 17 game schedule. Let's make these let's make these workers work a little harder for no extra money. And then it's like, hey, man, what can we had a disaster? What can you say? What can you say? And I say, tell them to fuck off. Tell them to fuck off. 16 games is plenty. And we don't you know, if you're so worried about the quarterback getting injured. How about we don't send a 100 guys out to hit each other? 200 times for an extra week so you can make some more dough, which you will not pass on to the people we actually watch, the people we actually care about, the players. So I I am adamantly against additional games in the NFL schedule. The the NFL... I mean, I hundred percent agree with you. You're, 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 you're spot on with that. Um, The, the push and pull of... I don't think it's much of a hot take, um, but I think Gene Upshaw and Demora Smith have, have really failed the, the the players of pro football. And I get the push and pull of it's our most dangerous sport. That's why the money can't be guaranteed. But it's dangerous. It's very dangerous to be doing what they're doing out there. And that's the the, the league that has the least amount of guaranteed loot compared to the other ones. That doesn't seem right. Um, of course you're right. And also on a less important level, I'm very uncomfortable. You, you care about sports history. I hate when people refer to without imposing the asterisk on it, like, yeah, well, Eric Dickerson had the most rushing yards in, in a, in an NFL regular season. It's like, yeah, cause he played 16 games, but only the juice did it in 14 games. And that needs to be acknowledged. It's, gotten crazy with college football it's like hey guy who played quarterback for the last three years at your college he's the all-time leading passer in school history 
Yeah, because he played 14 games or 15 games in the season, whereas his predecessors and, and, only played 11. And seven, so, and seven overtimes. I love, right, love exactly. those stats count. Like, that makes me crazy. I'll throw this one in there. As a, I can, we, we, you and I will be able to do these ad nauseum, so I'm not concerned. This is a, a refillable thing. Um, but I'll say this about NFL overtime. I think I don't like the new one. It's lame. Obviously, Chiefs fans um, from a couple of AFC title games ago, I don't have to convince them, um, or Falcons fans in Super Bowl 51. Um, congratulations I on like both this. of those. I, like Eddie where, Eddie. Eddie. I like where those two references are headed. The, the solution, of course, sudden death doesn't make sense either. That's not fair. Um, the way to do it is the way – referring all the way back where we began the way soccer does it what you do is you got to play it until the game ends and at minimum uh you play in regular season if it's too much to go into double overtime because of the physical fatigue and then their ability to turn around and play a game the next weekend whatever at least play a full 15 minutes and that's it that's that's the premise as you enter the fifth quarter it is um, the, it is Who's ahead okay, at the end of the field yeah. score, that's it. That, that then would impact your strategy and it would mirror more of what you just saw for the preceding four quarters. This makes it, all the sense in the world to me. For sure. And, you know, and it's funny because that is an extra 15 minutes of labor that the players would happily give for free to the, they're so competitive, you know, that they're like, well, we want to get a winner. The defense doesn't want to, you know, like, so in both those those the, the Patriots victory over the Chiefs that you cited and the Patriots victory over the Falcons, like it's like that's not really fun for half the team that didn't get to play in overtime. Like you just you just watch Tom Brady march down the field and the game's over. So I think the touchdown is a big improvement over sudden death where, you know, you just had to kick a field goal. Obviously, it's headed in the right direction. Your solution takes it to a in a better direction to like let's I mean, because in our beloved soccer we, we, you know, there's nothing more fun than when you when you go into extra time, and it and one of the teams scores, and you're like, oh well, that's got to be it, and the other team comes back and pins two goals in in extra time. You're like, oh my god, that was so thrilling, and so uh, you know, you know, in both those games, the the Chiefs Pats conference title game and the and the Falcons uh, Pats Super Bowl, that coin flip was too too instrumental right it's just like you 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 knew knew, obviously the you knew the falcons were never touching the ball you knew that as soon as it it came up patriots yeah Yeah. champagne corks like we won we won the toss i will say that the world cup which is basically the i mean that's got to be 98 percent of all soccer i've consumed in my lifetime is uh watching the world cup but they they don't i i hate the penalty kicks it, as Terrible. people always point out, it would be like saying at some point, let's just do a free throw contest and see who wins. But it's lame. Ooh. Ooh. The correct, the correct answer contract? is the correct answer is they should take one guy down from each side yeah. until yeah. somebody scores. I mean, look, hockey, you know, that the three on three is is thrilling, you know, and, and they realize like, so look, we can't do we, we can't do it all night. And then, you know, and, and it's funny. Uh I don't know why. Maybe every maybe every NHL fan feels exactly the same way about their team, you know, except for TJ Oshie fans. But like, I swear to Christ, I feel like 
the Bruins cannot convert. Like they can't, like, is it, how hard is it? It, it? I mean, I'm sure the numbers are similar, but it's like when your team gets a breakaway in live, in real action, you know, like you're like, oh my God, he's free and clear. There's no one behind, there are no defenders. You're like, this is, we're going to score. When you make it a shootout and Brad Marchand is lollygagging in, I'm like, we have no chance of scoring. We have zero chance of scoring here. I, I sometimes <laughs> feel like you could, we could go through the Bruins roster three times and nobody, I mean, in the Wednesday night shootout loss to the Caps, like the goalie was not tested. Like I felt like, you could have put like a folding chair in the middle of the goal and the Bruins wouldn't have scored. Like it was, it's, I don't know why so few guys can do this. Like when you think of 66 and all the fucking bag of tricks he had. And then how, how often do you see a guy come in and you're like, Oh, oh, oh what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Oh, he's going to do. Oh, he's going to roll it into the pad. He's just going to gently roll it into the slice <laughs> the, the, pad. That's, the, that's his, the that's his fucking move. He's the choice to slow mo it player. in the goalie. It's the weirdest. Yeah, you understand. And they go you're, lateral. You're they go way wide. They go way wide, way slow. <laughs> and you're like, well, how is this gonna? How's this gonna be a problem for the goalie? You're walking. We'll you're offer. Walking we'll offer our tips. Yeah, we'll offer our our, our other tips for uh, for penalty shot um, do's and don'ts on a later but edition. I love your idea. I love your idea of taking guys off the soccer field because if as you open up that space, you're gonna get your your equivalent of an odd man rush you're going to get your two-on-ones uh and and you want to you want to decide these games and matches and fixtures with with as close a a replication of the actual sport as possible lamar jackson with the crosser the header by russell westbrook (laughs) usa wins take that argentina you, you know how penalty you know how you know penalty kicks are terrible it's got a a zero percent approval rating with soccer fans, people who you know, people who like your sport go, "This is terrible. This is terrible. Nobody likes it." Well, I, we also need to fix the college football overtime, which is which is also wildly overrated too. But for now, Kevin Hedge, more than enough gum flap and to, to fill your ears and your heart for another weekend. We hope you enjoy. La, uh, the experience, Hedge. Good times uh, getting to chop it up with well, you. I'm gonna say, you know, I'll spend the forever. next week. I spent a week grinding on your terrible Brady Belichick take last mm-hmm. week, and I was like, "Well, he'll never say anything. Okay. He's dumb." And then, right. and then you come in, then you come in with the McCaffrey Kamara d- uh, dual striker plan for USA Soccer, and I'm like, "Wow, wow! I really need to brace myself." this podcast doesn't change the fact that i blocked the crap out of you many times out there on the blue top in front of in front of uh grown-ups spaghetti make sure you get to work on this uh on hiring a special counsel i want you working with john kimmel cousin sal will get all the principals involved in this mess i need my name sure. clear already Sounds i'm good. a man of the highest honor and integrity everybody knows that i would never lie about what happens in three on three basketball all right hench you go we'll kibitz with you in a few days best wishes with your uh, with your weekend bets and uh, and have a good one and now with hench out it's time for some mass mutual division hockey talk it's time for Spaghetti and meatballs. All right. 
we're back. Another edition of Spaghetti and Meatballs, a little S&M. Mikey Meatballs here along Eddie Spaghetti to get you up to date on all things Mass Mutual East Division. We have a couple of fun topics today, big big time trade rumors. We did a little futures draft we'll get into. But first, here's our third star of the week. We're going to talk a little bit about these weird COVID protocols in the NHL. Big name player, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. He's on that list. Charlie Coyle and the Boston Bruins. Now the third place Boston Bruins on that list as well. I believe that Crosby is the Penguins' leading point scorer at the moment. So not having him is interesting as they're right on the edge, teetering right now of a uh, playoff spot. There have been some trade rooms along with Crosby, but I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, meatballs, any thoughts? You think how, how long... Can the first with the Penguins, can they sustain that having Sid the kid? And then, you know, Boston is getting some help back on the blue line, which is good. But they do lose Coyle, uh, a forward, a big body forward who hasn't scoring as of late. So just give me your thoughts on those two uh, scenarios. In terms of Crosby, it's really just as far as Malkin wants to take him now. Um, mm-hmm. He kind of the thing is with Malkin, he kind of just seems disinterested at mm-hmm. times. So I think Dave mentioned a while back, like if you rile him up, he'll get going. It'll be good. But yeah. If that doesn't happen, he's just kind of skating around out there, not not doing much. But uh, sure. in terms of the Bruins, I think they're okay. They had um they had a pretty tough game yesterday. The uh, the Caps played pretty well, I thought too. Grass kind of bailed them out a little bit, but you know if you get as long as Pasternak, Marshan, Bergeron are scoring, they're going to win games. So I, I know it was only it was uh they didn't have many shots on that last night, but once that changes, I think they'll be all right. It's more they got to you know, just focus more on offense rather than defense. Yeah, we're going to get to the Bruins a little bit in our second star, but just to wrap up our third star of the week. So with the Penguins specifically, if they take a a little bit of a dip here without Crosby, and we're hoping that he'll be back soon. We we were talking off air that these COVID protocols, you don't really know the, the length of it, the severity of it. NHL keeps everything very close to the vest. Do you see them just saying, "All right, we're we're losing points here. We're not we're not in the playoff spot anymore." Are they going to just start selling off parts? Like, do you see them become major sellers? Like, could this like really ignite that right now? Moving Malkin, moving Latang, other parts because of the absence of Crosby. I hope. I think that would make the NHL <laughs> really selfishly, selfishly yeah. with Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope. I don't know. That's that's a good question. I'm kind of fifty fifty on that. I, like, I could see it happening, but I also can't see like with new management. You know, maybe they they come in and do that, but I could also I can't see Crosby being on another team. So I don't know. Maybe Malkin or Latang I could see moving, but in terms of Crosby, I don't know. It would be kind of it would be nice for the Islanders yeah, uh, yeah. if they, I, I, they do move him, but I don't I'm, know. I'm with I'm with you. I don't see I don't see Crosby being moved. I think it's if anything, it would be a Malkin or Latang. But uh, like we said, uh, hopefully this is just a quick thing. He's back in line. If he's healthy, he's good to go. No one else in the Penguins get it. And, you know, they continue this this fun season because really outside of the Sabres, it's been a lot of fun watching the Mass Mutual East here. But anyway, moving on to our second start of the week. So Meatballs, we had a really, really fun draft here, like a, a futures gambling fantasy draft with a, a large, the, you know, big crew here at uh, Extra Points Network put together by Toby and Sal and everyone had a, a real great time and everyone had a hand in it, uh, did an awesome job. And we basically the for those who don't know we just pick something that's happening between now and i believe it's like july 13th uh, around the mlb Mm all-star game just a futures bet so it could be a team leading a division it could be someone leading the home runs category it could be nhl awards nba awards nba championship nhl championship tennis golf 
both men's and women's, a ton of stuff you can gamble on soccer, a ton of stuff. In the first round, my pick, because you it goes from the most amount of money to the least amount of money, you want to put your large sum of money on a bet that you mm-hmm. think it should probably hit. So I put some money down on Connor McDavid winning the hard. He right he is minus one fifty right now on fanduel.com slash minus three if you head there and bet on that. Uh first with that pick. Do you do you see me losing that bet? Do you see Austin Matthews or someone else surpassing Connor McDavid right now? Or do you think my first round pick's a lock? I wouldn't say it's a lock. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I think it's weird because I, I don't see Matthews getting it over McDavid. Okay, so you're not just trying to say that because uh, Sal has uh, some loot on on Matthews? No, no, no. I okay. I. I'm saying that because I have some money on uh, uh, Patrick Kane, which I took uh, a little bit later in the draft at uh, okay, plus seven fifty. Okay. All right, so now, say your case. Why does why does why does Kane? How could Kane potentially get in the mix? Well, I think with Kane, uh, with Kane, he's first of all he's making DeBrinket really good, and he's mm-hmm. making Suter really good, and he's carrying. I mean, the division is a little weaker in you know their division, but it's. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think the way he's playing right now, he's carrying a team with with a lot of younger guys, some older guys, but you know they're not they're they're it's they're they're tough to beat in a in an okay division where where everyone thought they would be down. So right. in terms of um, you know McDavid versus Matthews, that's also a high scoring division, but you know McDavid is also coming off almost getting shut out three games in a row to the Leafs, so. I don't know. I, I I don't I don't love McDavid to win it, but I also think it's probably the right play because I don't okay. I don't know if Matthews overtakes him. Uh, I don't think Matthews is better either. So okay, well that was that was pretty lukewarm. Let's see if you like my second pick better. Quickly, I took the Boston Bruins to win the cup, which I've stated on this uh, segment quite a few times. I do think that they are the best team in the Mass Mutual East, and I know they're in third right now, but they will. I my pick to win the cup. I said that before I made the pick, so I took them in the second round. I took a long shot, or not quite a long shot, but later in the draft, I took the Carolina Hurricanes as well. Out of those two picks I made, which team do you see as the better chance at winning the Cup? I think the the Canes have a better shot. Really? Really? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, I think Boston, they're really good. But like I said before, if not everyone's firing on all cylinders and they can't you know, produce offensively and defensively, and they're plus coming out of the, you know, a tough, tough division – they are. Yeah. I think the Canes, the Canes might have a little bit of an easier road. And the, the Canes have also been there before, too. So it's not like they're unexperienced. That's very, very true. Uh, I guess I just trust the veteran leadership of that team. Like before, yeah, you mentioned yeah, yeah. Bergeron, you mentioned Marshawn. Pasternak's awesome. Uh, they have Tuka Rask. If they're getting healthy in the blue line, obviously they have no more Char, no more Krug. And by the way, Char just did return to Boston for the first time. I had a nice video tribute. But they're finally getting healthy in the blue line outside of this little coil hiccup. Uh, I mean, I, I like them. They're a deep team. But, yeah, a lot of people seem to sneakily be on the, the Hurricanes. So, look, I hope if, if the Bruins pick doesn't hit, if the Hurricanes pick hits, I'll be just as happy. So I like to hear that. But anyway, uh, give me your uh, your second uh, star of the week here, Meatballs. Yeah, my second star of the week, uh, Oliver Wallstrom, as it says, uh, Ali Wally on my uh, on my screen right here. Um, this guy's an animal. He's got eight points uh, so far, um, five power play points, and then six in the last five games. So he's finally looking like the elite winger, uh, elite scorer that the Islanders need. He's playing well at Peugeot right now. And uh, eventually – you probably bump him up to a. I wouldn't do it now because he's just playing so well at Peugeot. But eventually, bump him up playing with Barzell, and 
he's putting a lot of pucks in the back of the net. So he, he looks really confident for a guy who's playing in his first, you know, real season. So it's, it's really good for Islanders fans to see. And, um, you know, with, guy, with, with stuff like this happening, you don't really have to worry too much about salary cap. You know, you don't have to worry about, well, I, I shouldn't say that because you still want to go get better guys, but you, you also don't have to worry about a calorie uh, uh, salary crunch as much because, um, you know, you got this guy on a rookie contract. Look, I don't want to be happy for your Islanders, but as a fan, it's good to see players who uh, step up to the role that you expect them to have and, and perform, no doubt about it. Moving on to our first star of the week. And Meatballs, this is a great idea by you to throw a couple trade scenarios at me. So if you're a fan of the NHL, one major story going on right now, one of the biggest superstars in the league, Jack Eichel, his Buffalo Sabres, I mean, between us, we almost have as many goals as him, Paul, and, and Skinner. I know you've uh, ragged on Skinner quite a bit, uh, which is that's it's pretty crazy to see how like the little output from those guys. And um, you know, the Rangers are always going to be linked to Eichel. Gordon has loved him from you know the beginning of his career, but obviously, the major thing is him playing at, at Boston University with. David Quinn. So these, you know, there was a weird story about the Sabres. Not they couldn't agree on the injury that I know they're always secret, like we yeah. mentioned, but mm-hmm. they couldn't agree on what injury was keeping Eichel out. So people just start to suspect that they're going to try to move him. And then people talking on Twitter. I know like John Bartrogross has had a couple trade scenarios out there, and the Rangers weirdly have started to call up a few a few guys, a few defensemen that were already rumored to potentially be in the trade because they are very deep in the, the you know the in the prospect pool at, at D-Man. So with that being said, with Jack Eichel potentially in the market, the Rangers seemingly the number one destination for him. Um I will let you throw a couple scenarios at me or see which players I'm willing to give up for uh my my BU friend Jack Eichel. All right. So I got three here, but first before okay. I say that I should also okay. say Tobias Reader has four goals, which is more than Skinner, Eichel and Hall combined. Uh, they only have three. It's nuts. Absolutely nuts. So, that's, and I, uh, I was done. Hand up. I said a sneak. I, I believed in those, you know, that trio. I, and I thought there's a so couple of there too. Mm-hmm. I was like, I thought a sneaky good team would have been the Sabres this year. But no, it, they're really the only lame duck in this whole division. I'll even count the Devils with the uh, the better teams. I think Devils have a lot of, they have a bright future. And there's yeah. a couple of good pieces right now that they would scare me in a game. Like the Rangers can't seem to figure them out. But anyway, proceed with your, your trade scenarios. All right. So for the first one. We got Heedle, Lungfist, okay. Buchnevich, and two firsts for Eichel. That's hefty. The two firsts I I could part with. The Heedle I could part with. He seems like he's figuring it out now. And then you uh, – yeah. Yeah, I would do it because Buchnevich is playing awesome right now, and you're going to have to eventually pay him. And it's like a thing where do you sell, do you sell high – um or do you or if you don't you wait it out and then maybe he dips again and then yeah i know that i think i i think i would uh i would do that okay. uh second one kravtsov hedel georgiev and two firsts the rangers want shesterkin to be the guy anyway but i love having georgie as a backup that's a tough one i know they want to bring kravtsov over and i know you mentioned niles before those are the two big prospects that everyone in the rangers loves i think i would do it again because there's this one name that you have not mentioned that I'm afraid to give up. And I would do both of those. Yeah, I would do both of those. Uh, and, and with Heedle too, like I said, I, he's so young and I think he's going to be awesome. And But it's a, one of those things too, like you, for a, an established superstar, you have to, you have to obviously give to get. And I think I'm okay with that. All right. And then for this last one, I don't think I'm going to bring up the guy that, uh, that okay. you're thinking of, but um, okay. so we're going Krasov, 
Georgiev, Longfist, first, second, Strom. Yeah, that I, I think I would do that one as well. I think all three. I think, yeah, I think those are basically look like I'm prepared to give up players like prospect players yeah. and right now the team and it, it's you know you don't want to mortgage too much of the future because the, the they're not a win now team they're building for the future but I think there's enough in place right now that they could be competitive they added uh, Eichel right now especially with Panarin coming back so you know the, the prospect thing is you never really know it's a coin flip uh, but people seem to do believe in these players and Strom is a guy that was not really believed in well he had a lot of hype coming in kind of didn't live up to it now the Rangers kind of finding his role and he's great but you know comparing him to a Jack Eichel of course you give him up and the same thing if you're not giving up just and giving with Georgia like you could find uh, another backup and he's you know him and Georgia have been great uh Chisirka and Georgia have been great because we have not really as a team started one three four or five games in a row it's always been two games two games two games for the most part so it's a it's it's a haul but again the name you didn't bring up was Capococco and that's yes. one that I would not do or I would not feel great about it because I know that he hasn't been lining up in the score sheet but he's been awesome if you watch the games and kind of the same thing was with Lafreniere whose name has not been brought up but like people are kind of getting on them for saying like where's the points where are the points but if you're watching you know they're they're everywhere on the ice they're doing the things they're supposed to be doing and I eventually trust them and again Eichel's a supreme player but if they did move Kaka I would not I mean I would not be shocked if he became an all-star Cal like a just an awesome player in Buffalo so that one that would scare me but yeah the the offers you gave are great offers they're fair offers and I think they the Sabres would be happy to get something because you know the interesting thing is too they have no leverage the Sabres have zero yeah. leverage right now yeah. so the Rangers don't have to give up Cabo Caco, which is great uh but they have to give up obviously something to get Eichel a player of that caliber so I think with the trades you gave those are awesome trades and I think I would I would I would do all three yeah it would stink to part with some of those players but you when you bring in a guy who could really elevate this team to the level they want to be at to bring them back to where they were in 2014 2013 like you you gotta you gotta pay so i'm all for that oh my belly is full nice job there spaghetti and meatballs i'm all excited now for a grand weekend in the mass mutual really is uh right at the midway point here um continues to be fascinating no matter what sal the puck curmudgeon has to say about it um so thanks to you guys spaghetti and meatballs and of course kevin hench good times make sure you go back and listen to the podcast we did earlier in the week with our pals matt money and handsome hank a good little reunion there for longtime listeners and we'll be back with more who in applesauce for you next week couple episodes once again an early one playing a little grab ass talk about this that and the other and then uh, getting you right for next weekend but uh, until all that arrives thanks so much sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven <laughs>